thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Coming back home, many times people may leave for college or work, and some get the opportunity to get back closer to where they grew up and work for their hometown team. Our next guest did just that as he had a tremendous career and over the last few years was able to move back home. I'm excited to have Cam Florence, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Washington Wizards. Cam, welcome to the show. Hey, Travis, help, happy to be here, man. Thank you for the invite. Oh, absolutely. I'm very excited to have you and talk about your journey. But let's start. You came back home two years ago. You received a call to become the VP for the Washington Wizards. How exciting was that for you? Yeah, Travis. Um... I feel dramatic saying it, but and honestly, in a way, it was a dream come true. Uh, you know as well as I do in our industry, you uh, you have an opportunity to grow your career, and a lot of people move place to place to go ahead and do so. And I moved around a good bit myself, but you never think that you'll have the opportunity to really grow your career as well as be in your hometown in our industry. And I got so lucky to be able to do that. Um, I was always so excited to, to live in Charlotte and Los Angeles and to be around friends that I could always get out to games as well as do different speaking engagements in the community um, and use my platform for something that was special to me and kind of push the community the best way I knew how to um, and be involved. But there was always a big want for me to be able to have that same type of platform in the Washington, D.C. area. And I didn't know if that was ever going to come true for me. Um, so for me to be able to both grow my career um, and, and still be able to get home, well, it was special. Um, I jumped at the opportunity, and I'm really excited to be here at the Washington Wizards. No, that's awesome. And we'll certainly dive into your illustrious career and on your stops. And, you know, to your point, you previously spent the first 12 plus years of your career really all over the country, which we'll dive into. But how did gaining that other experience help make this move, quote unquote, back home into the Wizards even more special for you? Just gaining the experience of just going to different places. I would say I spent, well, several years in Charlotte and, and then went to Los Angeles. And 
I think just talking for myself, Travis, I had to become a better me. Um, I think the good news about seeing different things is it gives you some context. Um, it gives you an opportunity to see different cultures. Um, it gives you an opportunity to be on your own a bit. Uh, when I was in Charlotte, I had some family. When I was in LA, I had nobody. I, I was starting from scratch. And it gave me an opportunity to just lean into me. And I had nothing else to invest in but trying to become a better person, um, trying to build my own new network, uh, trying to build skill sets. And I think between that time doing that, as well as just seeing the differences in cities, I don't know, there's something about travel that really adds to knowledge as well as maturity for me. Um, so I think if I was just stayed in DC, I'm not sure if I'd be the, the exact same person that I am today. Um, I'm not sure if I would have probably evolved and grow uh, as much as I have today. At least I hope I've evolved and grown a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think I, I'm comfortable in saying that I'm a true adult and I think I'm a better person because of it, um, or at least the best version of myself. You know, and a little bit of that too, Cam is talking about getting out of your comfort zone, right? You mentioned like if you would have stayed in Washington your entire career, you would have been always comfortable with your family and your friends. And I think that leads to, you know, a lot of our listeners and you've recruited a lot of people in your career. And, and I certainly have. And now I'm in the recruiting business as a career. And, you know, a lot of the times you get that question of, I want to stay closer to home or I need to be close to this proximity. And I guess what's your advice to listeners on finding the best fit both personally and professionally, and not just making a decision based on location. Yeah. And I think location can be really important for people, like you said, Travis. Um, but in my personal career, I got really lucky to fall backwards into some really remarkable leaders, um, people that invested in me, um, people that saw something in me and people that wanted to, to, to help me get better or in, or, you know, also just people that wanted to know what my dreams were and where I wanted to go in life and a, a career. And that said, they wanted to help me be there um, and just become better. I think whenever you're looking at opportunities, I think probably your strongest choice is to look at leadership first, um, because the amount of, of value that you get there um, to see someone who either does the job the way you want to do it, um, to see someone who can see your weaknesses um, and has a clear 2020 view of who you are, even if sometimes you can't really see that yourself. Yep. And they uh, and they want to go ahead and, and kind of help round out your weaknesses. And also to see people who recognize your strengths and they want to help put that on a platform, right? One of the, the coolest things... Uh, someone ever said to me uh, was a true leader. Um, sometimes they, they block you in their shield uh, when there's BS about to hit you and because you've made a mistake and they let you make that mistake and keep going. But at the same time, when you do something great, they put you on a platform so the world can see. Um, and to be that big sister, big brother type, to have that person in your corner, it, it's a remarkable feeling. It, it gives you a sense of confidence. It, it makes you feel like you have a little bit of armor on. And it makes you kind of want to work harder for the people above you and around you. Um, so I, I think in making any decisions on how to, 
to move around and, and what career choices to pick. I think you definitely want to lean on leadership. Um, the second thing you want to lean on, does that company uh, need what I have? Like, are my strengths uh, a part of maybe what their weaknesses are and or a part of what they value in an employee? Because then I know I have a fit there. Right. Then I know I can go in there and make an immediate impact and even better, hopefully make a long lasting impact in the future. And, and the third thing would be, does that company have a history of growth, right? Do they have a history of continuing to push people along in their career? Travis, I, I know you came from the Atlanta Hawks and the Atlanta Hawks have a long line of successful individuals in our industry. Um, that I won't even begin to list because then I'm just being disrespectful because I'd miss so many. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, where I came from, they have another long line of people where they've invested in and they've grown them and they've gone to do some really cool things uh, above and beyond the Charlotte Hornets um, and also still with the Charlotte Hornets. So I think those are the three things that I would really focus on. No, and I think you hit the nail on the head and it, it starts and stops with people, right? It's, it's money, title, and responsibility always follow as long as you're around the right people. And to your point, if there's an opportunity for you to make an impact, the people will provide that opportunity. And so couldn't agree more and, and, and certainly glad you made it back home. You made it back to the Wizards. Now, to say that these last two years with the Wizards have been interesting is probably an understatement, given that you started right at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. um, which everyone's certainly aware of. And so how did you handle starting the role, building relationships and, and putting a vision together while working remote, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic and throughout it? Yeah, I think, the, I mean, the pandemic took our, our industry by storm um, and, and what was really shocking. Um, all in all, I, we've really had to continue to push the business along. Um, so our biggest focus was leaning on over communication, right? I mean, when you do not have the luxury of proximity, um, having those that you're working with every day around you, um, it was really important for us to build out meeting cadences at a large level and even towards the one-on-one -on -one level um, that was consistent. Um, and almost what would typically or traditionally be in an office setting, a little bit overboard. Um, but we needed that to continue to push the business um, as well as to, to make sure that everyone was on the same page and what those goals were on a larger level, on a monthly level, and even on a daily level. Um, so over communication on consistent meetings with the leadership team, um, over communication with consistent meetings with the staff. Uh, when I was just getting up and running, um, I don't know if there's a, a, a better weapon than a one-on-one, -on -one, right? Especially when you're getting up and going, um, giving yourself an opportunity to build relationships with people and, and really learn who people are and, and learn what their end goals are. I mean, that's just super valuable. And not to mention, I mean, it's not a part of being a, a good leader or, or a good VP. It's probably a part of being a good person a or being a good person. human. Yeah. Like you should want to know as much detail as you can about the, the people that you're working with um, because you, you really do care. And not to mention, uh, Corey Breton once told me this, and I'm sure 
people and leaders say it all the time, but no one really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can easily come in and say, well, we should change this, this, and this. And, um, you know, I've done it better over here. Um, or, and you can start being a boss, right. Or whatever you view as a boss, or you can take the first step and, and really get to know those around you. Um, and that was probably the biggest things that I tried to lean on when I first started, it was uh, heavy one-on-ones, heavy mass communication. Um, also, anytime I had an opportunity to be in front of the staff and speak or, or train or at least give them some opinions and talk, I tried to take it uh, because I thought that that was a really good chance for me to maybe show off some of my skill sets or some of the knowledge that, that I may be bringing to the table. And also the, the kind of the proof is in the pudding, right? So you can't really hide behind a veil and, and, and hope that people start to take you seriously as a leader. Um, at some point, you kind of got to get out there and get in front of the staff. So uh, it was really taking as many opportunities to do that as possible. Um, and I guess with all those, I think we did a pretty good job of um, introducing myself to the staff, me learning more about them and actually building some relationships, uh, as well as um, I think I got a good chance to start hearing and seeing where we could go as, as a company and, and as, a, as a department where some of our strengths were and, and also where some of our weakness were and where at least the top two or three things we need to start focusing our, our North Star on. Um, take a SWOT analysis, if you will. Uh, there's a really good book about that called uh, the, uh, the First 90 Days. 90 Days. Um, I think, yeah, I think it goes around the industry and a lot of people continue to read. Um, and I think kind of having that mindset, um, I want to go in there and, and get an understanding have a little bit of a plan, but really start to fill out my plan once I have a better SWOT analysis. Um, I think that's, that was at least the best way for me to go about it. Um, also, uh, with the pandemic, it was really important for me to, to know that we still, we still had a business to get done. And it was a uh, the show must go on type mentality. Uh, I know when I was younger, I, I used to live in the Virgin Islands for a while. And we were hit with a hurricane. And after being hit with the hurricane, and if anyone was familiar, it's a Hurricane Maryland. And it really was devastating amongst the island. Um, but even a few months in, what you realized is with electricity down, with nothing but cold running water, um, with either you had a generator to try and pump uh, lights on, or you just had little candles around the house, people still had to start going to work and people still had to uh, do their homework by candlelight. Right. You still had things to get done. Um, so it was just keeping at the forefront of my mind. We still have a job to do, even if it was less than ideal uh, circumstances. Um, so I think between the communication and kind of keeping that in the forefront, we were able to, have me introduce the staff and still start putting things together that are productive as you move forward. You know, and your team, you and your team certainly took full advantage of that. And, and I think you brought up a couple of good points in there is, is one, certainly the value of relationship with any of your employee and taking that time to get them to know, you know, and build a relationship and have a personal and professional growth plan is always, 
you know, extremely successful and no different than, and we're going to get into some of your stops of why you made the move to some of those stops, because you trusted the people you built that connection, you built the relationship. You knew they had the best interest in mind, both personally and professionally. And, you know, certainly looking forward to seeing what, what you and the team continue to do, you know, here with the wizards. And I guess going back to the beginning, you kind of talked a little bit about growing up the Virgin islands, you grow up in DC, you have an older sister and your father was in sales. He was the president of AT&T. You lived there in, in St. Thomas for a few years. So, you grew up, played a lot of basketball. So did you know sports and sales was always going to be a part of your life early on? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, not at all. Uh, I, I would never have guessed it. Not to mention that I, I don't think I knew what I wanted to do at all at a young age. And I think probably a, a lot of kids may feel similar. I know whenever I see a kid and they know, where they want to go and the direction they want to go into. Um, I just tip my hat off to them. And I think it's just the coolest thing in the world because Travis, I was not that kid at all. Um, I, I think I was still trying to figure myself out um, and figure out who I was well within into my college years. Um, I knew for a fact, I, I had a hustle in me. Um, I knew I, Oh, uh, had an opportunity or I was pretty good at, at getting along with people um, and working with people. And other than that, I knew I wanted to do, you know, some really cool things in my life and do, you know, some notable things in my life. But I had no real understanding of, you know, where that would take me um, or particularly how to get there. Yeah. Um, and I think more than anything, I, I knew I, I had an urge to, to, to be better and to grow. Um, but I didn't know that I was going to be in, in sports and or sales or really understood what that was. Um, but I did know I didn't like particularly being in class. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know I, I knew I would get a job later on down the line. And I was really adamant about it not being in just an office space tied to a desk uh, or just tied to a room. I wanted to be in something that I had a passion for. So I'm pretty blessed, Travis, to have fallen in and to my life to have led into something I've always loved, which is basketball and which is sports, um, specifically the NBA now for me, um, as well as doing something that I, I really care about, which is working with people and individuals. Um, but I didn't think I knew, though, at least that latter part. I didn't know that about myself when I was younger. Um, yeah. I just wanted to grind it and make some money, Travis. Yeah. And I was able to really uh, fall into a good spot. Figure it out, right? And, and so, you know, as, as you're in high school, you really want to go to Florida A&M. But back then, your dad was a little bit better at sales than probably you were and, and sold you on going to UNC Charlotte. It was just closer to family. Your cousin went there. And so you want to receive a degree in communications and media study. So what do you feel like as you look back to that time, what did you want to do or think you wanted to do? At that point in college, um, I don't I think it was my father uh, was working in communications and he didn't even have a communication degree. I mean, he got his he was a business focus, got his MBA, um, but he ended up leaving AT&T and kind of starting his own, own PR company. And I saw what he was doing and it seemed really fun. Right. Like he was working with some notable talents at the time. Um, a lot of his conversations were, were over the phone and exciting conversations, trying to get deals done. And I would kind of hear that. Um, 
he would be he would do a lot of different events and i saw a lot of his work was done in front of people outside the office engaging either individuals and or crowds and that seemed really really exciting to me and i i think as as we decide what we're doing i think all of us fall victim to and i think sometimes in a good way in my situation is a good way and sometimes it can be in a not so good way but we fall victim to seeing the examples around us, right? Seeing where people are seeing success. And then they kind of, we kind of start mirroring it within and say like, okay, I can see myself doing something like that. Um, so I didn't go through uh, a mature journey of, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick communications. And so I'm going to go from here. It was kind of a looking out into my environment and saying, you know what, that looks really fun and that looks cool. And I ended up jumping in and, and, and focusing on becoming a communications major. Um, and all in all, I mean, for some reason, it kind of got me into sports as, as I moved moved around through my, my journey within college. Uh, but it didn't have much to do with the major. I picked it all. Yeah. No, and that's, you see that a lot. And, you know, I think looking back, Cam, to your time during school, you end up receiving an internship with the Charlotte Bobcats. It was actually in marketing and PR. You certainly started going above and beyond back then. You moved all of your classes to night classes so you could capitalize on the opportunity. And, you know, ultimately throughout that, it it hit on you that sales could be a path. And, And like anything, many people are told, go out and dominate your day. Dominate in this example, dominate your internship. Everything else will fall into place. And so what do you feel like you did back then as an intern on such a consistent basis to really earn the opportunity to work as a full-time employee with the same organization? Yeah. Um, I think the first step is to be ready to compete and be present. Take it really seriously. Um, I think sometimes when young individuals jump into an internship, for them, it's almost a continuation of the same personality or person they were when they were on campus or when they're on campus. Um, And it's kind of a a fun learning lesson to jump in and do some interning. I I didn't take it that way. Um, I actually... I actually viewed it as, as a one-shot opportunity or one-shot opportunity for me when I was getting in front of people or different companies and doing these internships. Uh, Travis, I was um, maybe a, a B minus student, right? And that's only because I'm embarrassed to say I was more of a C plus student, <laughs> right? And I was asking myself, okay, where am I going to go from here? Who is going to want to really get behind me and, and, and take me on um, as an employee, how do I compete in the marketplace? Um, so it wasn't, oh, I'm just going to go get this internship in so I can kind of get some credits and maybe get a little bit of experience. My internships were opportunities to really showcase who I was, um, my grind, my hustle, my personality, um, to really put that out there because my grades and what I particularly had on a resume wasn't able to do so. Um, So my first thing was I really came in there to take it serious, which is why I moved all my classes to night classes. Um, With the Charlotte Bobcats specifically, I was in the office 
8, 8.30. Um, I was leaving the office around 5 p.m. I would dress up in suits every single day. And granted, I was in college, so it was like one suit. A lot of times it was the same suit just over and you over. mix right? and match the ties. Maybe and, and a different shirt, shirt, uh, shirt tie combo set. Hey, exactly, right? And you yep. hope no one notices, right? Yep. Um, so I, I was in there almost to a point where individuals around me who may have just started full-time there, they also thought I was a full-time employee, right? And that's kind of how I took that opportunity. Um, so I think first, taking it very seriously, um, as well as just making yourself very available. Um, when I worked there, I don't think I missed a day, except the one particular day. And it was when the vice president of sales, Mike Toman, came to speak to our staff. And it was because I actually had the test I had to take that day. Um, so I miss it and I find out I missed that conversation. And I asked Mike Toman on the side, I sent them an email, hey, can we set up time to talk? Uh, you got a chance to speak to the other interns and I really would like a chance to learn what sales are and learn more about yourself. Yep. And I didn't know that was a, a good business decision. It was just a, kind of an innate, you know, thing in me that said, okay, intellectually curious. yeah, I really wanted to know. Um, and I sat in with him and I had a remarkable conversation. Um, and he was explaining to me the ins and outs of sales and he said, you know what, you should really look into our inside sales program when you graduate. And the day I graduated, I, I had a, at least a inside sales interview because he set that up for me. Yeah. So it was just me taking initiative and taking the job seriously that kind of kind of teed me up for success. And because you never know what happens in, in life. Um, 12 years later from that day, um, I probably end up going out to legends and and working for legends under a guy named Corey Brighton, whose direct boss is a guy named Mike Toman, right? Who signed off on me as a person before I took that job as a director. So I took it seriously. It got me my next step as well as it, it probably got me my next step after like several um, jobs after that. And I know on the side note, you know, Corey Breton was the first ever guest on 52 Weeks of Hustle. And I know he's an avid listener. I get consistent tech. So I'm sure he's loving this, that he's heard his name a couple times already. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, hope, he, he's going the way he works is he's going to text me constructive criticism. Everything <laughs> I did right, everything I did wrong. I appreciate that about. Yeah. But then you should bill him for getting, for pumping his name up a couple times. So yeah, no, but, no. You know, Kim, looking back, decision time, you know, you, you get the internship at the Bobcats, you're learning about sales. I'm sure you never dreamed you'd ultimately then become a full-time employee, spend the next, in the first eight years of your career with the same organization. And you've certainly had some great experiences. You went through an ownership change, a rebrand going back to the, which is now the Charlotte Hornets. You've helped grow so many successful careers, had a ton of success in the revenue generation. So a lot of questions coming your way about your experience in Charlotte. And first, you're in a sales role when Michael Jordan bought the team. So how cool was it knowing how big of a basketball fan you are to be part of, you know, who is known as the goat and he's going to walk the same halls with you now. Yeah, no, that, that was really, really cool. I think I was never um, a really starstruck personality. Um, mind you, my, 
my mindset at that point in time was get in, get in early, like grind and show out. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really super uh, pumped about getting close to the locker rooms and seeing a player. And, and I don't think I was super even pumped about Michael Jordan, you know, walking the same halls. Um, but as I continued my career there, um, I got to continue to, to know Jordan just a little bit better and had more little experiences with him. And that's really when it kind of starts to hit Travis. The yep. more experiences you start to have with him and you start to get his personality a bit, that's when you almost become starstruck a little bit because you realize he is not a, a, a usual individual, right? He's not just a really good basketball player. He has these these life models that he continues to live by on a day in day out basis. Um, one thing he told me that, and I think he probably said it a little bit cooler than I'll say it here to you today, but he really pushed the model to me, said winners believe they're going to win. That's what makes them winners. Right. Um, he was explaining to me and he, he really went into detail in this way. It doesn't matter what way the wind is blowing. It doesn't matter if the coin has flipped heads a thousand times and, and your bet is to flip, it's going to flip heads again. It doesn't matter the situation around you, even if cards are stacked against you. The, at the core of it, the person who's a true winner is the person who really believes that they're going to win going into every situation. Um, they try and pick the best situations, but when they're in that situation, they believe they're going to make it out on top. Um, and for him to say that to at this time, uh, a pretty, a pretty young premium sales rep. Um, so at this point, I've probably been selling for four or five years, but I thought that was just really, really cool advice. Um, and it was something that's always kind of stuck with me from there. Um, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely more than just a good ball player. Um, yep. he, he has a, a unique personality and I was happy that I got a chance to be there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and, you know, during your time and with the organization and you spent eight years there, you held five different roles. And so what an accomplishment itself. And I'm going to lose my breath here a little bit, but you started inside sales. Then you were account executive for seasons, account executive premium partnership sales, and then ultimately the director of suite sales. And so most of those roles, you really dominated for about a year and then progressed and moved up. And what's the secret? Yeah. Um, I, I never hung my hat on being this remarkable strategist and you know what, in, in eight years, I'm going to be, uh, building SoFi stadium and I'm going to be a part of that project. Um, I, I never really looked at, uh, my life that way. Um, but I, I, decided a long time ago that I was going to be the guy that if you put a brick wall in front of me and you gave me a hammer, I could get through that wall. I'd work my way through that wall at some point in time. I, I worry sometimes that as we go into our careers, our focus on our day-to-day -day is nothing but a setup for, well, I want to go do this, this, and this. And it's great to kind of have one eye on the horizon, but it cannot distract from what the day-to-day -day is and what your goals are at that moment. 
um, you'll notice with, with people as you kind of continue in the industry, everyone has, when you're talking to a peer and they're talking about their direct report, their report above them, they have all these remarkable ideas that would make them the best boss ever, right? Everyone is able to do the job above them better than anyone else because they have all these ideas that what they sure would work. Um, but that's not how you get to that next step. The way you get to that next step is being at the role you're in and being the best person at that role you can be every single day. Um, and I think that I was the person that came in and I was really focused on being the best in the particular role I was in. And again, that's also why, if that's going to be your focus, why it's important to be in a company that believes in you and have leaders that believe in you. Because I, every time I came in and I did a job really, really well, and I stayed a year or two year within a role and I crushed it. Um, I had a guys like Mark Jackson ahead of me saying, okay, I actually get it done. You did it well. And I want to move you up and I'm going to give you the next opportunity. Um, Mark Jackson has been a guy who's been there throughout my life, not only when I was working under him, but also when I was making phone calls from Los Angeles, asking him to give me strategy ideas, right? And to have that type of leadership, it allows you the freedom to not just have to strategize your next step every day, but the freedom to go in and give 100% to the task at hand. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Cam Florence, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Washington Wizards. And Cam, you know, early on in your career, you get into leadership. And as you think back to, to your first leadership opportunity, December of 2011, what are some adjustments you've had to make over the years to fit, you know, kind of your style and to become and to evolve as the best leader you are today? Yeah, in regards to evolving into leadership, yeah, Travis, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be straightforward with you. Um, I My first true leadership opportunity uh, was the director of ticket sales for Los Angeles Football Club. Um, we were out there in L.A. building uh, a new stadium and, and really building a, a LAFC, a, brand, a new brand from, from the ground up. And that was when I was truly overseeing 
uh, staffs and, and a manager and, and going on from there. And at that point, all I knew about leadership was what I saw my bosses do and what I saw leaders do. I didn't particularly get the coaching on. This is the intrinsic piece of leadership. This is what you're doing when the door is closed to help the people under you continue to get the job done the best way they can in the easiest way, right? So I was in, when I first started, in a mindset of, well, you, you, you play the boss. Hey, Travis, you're doing a really good job. Keep that up. Hey, Travis, we need to do this a little bit better. We need to work a little bit harder. Let's, let's make some more phone calls, right? Um, and I'm really happy that I've been able to evolve from that into someone who, okay, Travis, let, let's, let's get in the trenches. Let's have a conversation. Where, what's working for you? Okay, who, who's in the pipeline? Okay, how can I help with them? Like, and not even saying that's the best example, but I was been able to be involved into a person who uh, is trying to do a little bit more than just act like a boss and be a person who's trying to just assist with the job. Um, it doesn't matter what the title. I'm trying to make sure that the people under me are getting everything they need asset-wise and training-wise to just be great at their day-to-day. The more stuff that I can sweep out, the more minutia I can take away from them, the more opportunities they have to fulfill the role in the best way possible. Um, so as I've evolved, I think a lot of my evolving was um, not just looking at leaders and mimicking leaders, but being able to sit down with leaders um, that I trusted and I respected and get real feedback from them. Here's where I'm struggling. How do I build an overall culture? Um, how, how am I able to command respect, right? And you start hearing from people, well, you have to give the respect first. You have to be a quote unquote servant leader first, right? You have to make sure that you know as much detail about the product as you're hoping that they know, do the homework. Um, and, and also, and even more so, right? Read the chapters ahead, right? Definitely be on the, the forward side of how the market is changing as well as how the industry is changing so you can go and bring it back to them. Um, so I don't even know if I answered that, that yeah, question no, well I, for you, Travis, but I think that was kind of my evolution as a leader, just yeah. needing to continue to be a better person and get better and hopefully make stronger impacts around the people around me. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's something that, you know, I've always told people is there's three things I always look for is passion, work ethic, and coachability. And I don't care whether you're an entry level or an intern or you're the president and everyone in between, like, to your point, you always have to have that, bring that passion every day, that work ethic every day. But specifically as a leader, you've got to be just as coachable and willing to evolve with the times as anybody else. And I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, even at your time out at LAFC, and again, I, we can talk at nauseum about the amount of people that were out there and great people that are part of that. And you're getting into leadership. You're part of a new build. I know even your guys' process was evolving on a consistent basis as you're bringing a brand new team and a brand new building to the market. And as you think back to, to your experience with LAFC, what were some key like kind of takeaways? Like this was just a great experience for you. Yeah, I, I think, well, one, selfishly, right? It was my training day on management, yeah. right? It, it was my, my crash course on, on 
how to build culture, how to build process, how to build a structure, how to scale, um, and, and how to how to sell out a stadium. And that was really, really fun for me because I think it helped me evolve into a manager that was better on my next project. And, and we, we ultimately ended up seeing a whole lot of success um, with the, the LAFC in California project. Um, second, a lot of, at the beginning, I, I told you, Travis, I knew as a kid, I wanted to do some really cool things. I just didn't know where it was going to go um, and how to do so. And sports took me into a place where I was moving to arguably one of the coolest cities in the world to build a team for the MLS, which is one of the fastest growing leagues in the world, um, in really an area that I think in the United States is most excited about soccer or one of the cities that are most excited about soccer. Um, so what we did as an organization is, or as a team, we went and we built a brand from the ground up, um, street by street, block by block, grassroots style. And we built a brand, uh, built the colors, built the stadium, and we were able to sell it out. Um, and that's historical. At the time, I think it was a $350 million project, which was the most expensive uh MLS stadium ever built, I believe. And it was just really cool because you felt you you really made a little bit of history. And what was really even cooler was we were able to do it with a small group of people that we really enjoyed being around. Um, we did it from beginning to end. And I think that was really exciting for me and a really fun experience. No, and, and some great memories, I'm sure. And you then at your next stop, you end up staying in LA and You've become, you know, that 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 new stadium build as as you work for Legends and Sales for the LA Chargers and that new stadium, the SoFi Stadium. And so, how was that overall experience for you? Yeah, I, and that was that was almost uh, a continuation from from the from the Bank of California project. So, I think more than anything, kind of going back from to being all in and being very present in your current day-to-day and your current goals. One, I didn't particularly look for the, the SoFi uh, project with the Rams and the Chargers. Um, that was uh, someone reaching out to me to kind of take a step there uh, because they saw me really try my best and really work as hard as I could with Bank of California and LAFC. Um, so one, the opportunity to scale up in a way um, and work on an NFL project, uh, moving the Rams and the Chargers into the Los Angeles area, right? Like first, that was just a real exciting moment for me because now I'm working with the NFL. I'm working on a bigger stadium, more expensive, and we're able to do some really exciting things there. And then secondly, I was able to be a part of the build out of an 80 person staff. Right. I mean, we, we had a lot of seats to fill. So we we're able to bring in 80 different employees, start training them early on, start building out strategy early on. Um, and I was able to you know, be a real leader in building out the culture that ultimately at this point has done a really good job selling through that stadium. Um, so I, I think that that's exciting. And, and when you ask me kind of how that experience went, 
Uh, that has been one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had an opportunity to do um, because it was on such a large scale, such a large platform. Um, I feel like it was in the business, either business journal or, or in the newspaper every single day. Just and to be a part of something that was such a big splash in Los Angeles, it was really, it was really fun. No, and that's awesome. And Cam, you know, this certainly the entire conversation has been fun. Obviously, you know, from your start, you're, you're able to come back home to the Wizards now. And what a great career you've had. As you look back at it, what has been your best memory? I think my best memory would, would probably be uh, I got a chance to kind of uh, fulfill a dream. Uh, we did a, a really good job selling over at SoFi Stadium up, up until that point. Um, and the Rams went to the Super Bowl and they they were playing in Atlanta Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And as a staff, we were able to take the staff to watch that Super Bowl game. And we had such a close-knit staff and it was some long, long hours and long days. So it kind of became a little bit more like family. Travis, you know, in this industry, you were spending so much time in the office and at events the people you're around, if you like them or, or dislike them and your relationship with them makes or breaks if that's a if you're really enjoying what your job is altogether. And right. we really ended up liking each other and really enjoyed our challenge. Um, so the opportunity to be a part of bringing those young reps from L.A. to Atlanta to watch the Super Bowl and then in the same in the same hand. I got a chance to bring my father on the same trip. So I have pictures of my father um, with my staff taking pictures in front of the field. And I'm watching the game. We're all sharing drinks. We're all high-fiving in the stands. And I have the things that are most important in my life, uh, family and and friendships that that I'm actually impacting and helping grow. And we're... We're doing what we, we talk about on the phones on a day-to-day basis, sharing an experience, watching a game. And I think that was probably one of the coolest things for me. Um, my father was one of the people that led me into sports sales. And he knew someone in Charlotte. And he said, I'm gonna send you a, you know, I'm gonna send you an email, make sure you respond to this person, send a resume. And he's the one who kind of got me up and going on kind of the sports journey and for it to be, I don't know, 15 years later, um, if not even more. And now I'm taking him out to a Super Bowl game and I'm trying to introduce him to my staff, which was a rowdy bunch at the time, Travis. It was a fun introduction. Um, I, I think that probably was my, uh, my, my greatest sports moment. And what a way to you know, bring it full circle and camp ton of great advice. Fun to hear about your journey. Certainly, you know, how it ended up getting to your point at the Wizards now and coming back home. So to close it out, i like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Okay. All right, let's go. If you could be any cartoon character, who would you be and why? I, I feel like it, it may have been oversaid. Um, I'm not sure, but I think it has to be Bugs Bunny. So swaggy, um, <laughs> always knows the right thing to do, no matter what the situation is. Um, he meets the coolest people. He helped save the world um, and playing with Michael Jordan. I think he did it twice, right? Yeah. Once with Michael and once with LeBron. Right. Um, 
and and he I love it. He he's the true he, he's just the true winner. Uh, I'm a big uh, Bugs Bunny fan. I wrote that. I love it. What's a clothing style trend that you would love to bring back? Yeah. So and, and actually, it's funny that I said Bugs Bunny would be my character. So in D.C. in early 2000s, there was a small clothing line called Zoe World T-shirts or something. And it was basically all these WB characters, Bugs Bunny or Wally Coyote or Tasmanian Devil, like in bandanas and jeans and glitter on your T-shirt. Um, and I thought they were just the dopest thing. At one point, I even ended up buying those shirts wholesale and like selling them out my locker in my sophomore year. So, so not only what did I wear them, but I was, I was almost, I felt like I was part of staff. Yeah. Um, You're an entrepreneur. I I would say, I don't think too many people on your show will know what those shirts are, but Zoro t-shirts, I would bring those back in a heartbeat. They're my favorite. Nice. What TV show would you love to be on? Yeah, I think that that most people would probably pick something that kind of impacted them or at least they saw themselves in in some form or fashion. And uh, as a young black guy growing up in the 90s, um, I'd be remiss if I wasn't going to say The Fresh Prince. <laughs> that, that, that's my show all day long. Um, and, and you kind of saw him grow up and, and evolve. And hopefully that's the same thing that I was doing in my own way. Awesome. And to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, three key takeaways. I think the first thing would be, again, be fully present, right? It's not always about three steps from now. Um, It's always going to be about what's happening right now and who you are in that moment. Um, and if you are stepping outside of yourself to, to do, for, do well for others um, and to offer your services and, and offer value to the, the situation, um, I just think being in the shoes that you are in and, and walking the best road you can. Uh, so be fully present. Uh, the second thing, prioritize people, right? Um, I think in this day and age with uh, all your social medias and, and you see people kind of glow up, you know, they look good. They're driving nice cars. They, you know, they only post when they get these awesome new jobs. And yeah, I mean, I think we all have our own um, wants in life. So we want the new house and the new car and that's all cool. But when you start really prioritizing your life, um, I think it really helped me when I start prioritizing those around me um, and prioritizing those that just aren't myself. Um, and, and not only has that been more fulfilling to me um, as a person, at the same time, I also think that it, it also helped me become more successful. So uh, the second thing is prioritizing uh, people. And the third thing, lose ego, right? I, I think once you see even a little bit of success, you are in this situation where you are just one step away from losing that success because you think that you did it on your own and or you think that you're special because you did it. Yeah, or you right? think you made it. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, ten, 10 months ago, I, I had a, 
uh, my daughter, um, my wife and I had a daughter, Winter Helen Florence, right? And I, I see her kind of grow and I see her learn and watch us. And if you say ba-ba-ba-ba, she'll say ba-ba-ba-ba back, right? She'll even like pick up the rhythms in your, in your voice. And the thing is with the human brain is you start learning from things around you very early on. It's how your brain is, is set up to even survive, right? And I, I think that sometimes when we see success, we get so gung-ho on, oh, look at me, I'm special, look what I did, as opposed to a lot of the truth and a lot of the reality is that you were in the right situation at the right time and you saw the right things around you and hopefully the things around you were positive and you were able to say, okay, I'm going to internalize this and utilize this, duplicate it or try and make it better. But a lot of it is based on the things that you have received and the things that have been done around you, the examples that you were given. Um, so I think one, keep that in the forefront of your head that you didn't do everything by yourself and alone. There were a lot of people that showed you the way that you took advantage of. And two, with that, in every situation, it's not about, it's not going to be who's the star and how to be a star. It's how do we get the job done the best way we know how. It's not about being right. It's not about being um, noted as the leader or the person who led this particular project. It's about getting the job done the right way. And I think if you have that type of mentality, I really think the world has some really great things ahead for you. Um, so I guess the third thing would just be lose the ego altogether. Absolutely. Great advice. You know, being present, prioritizing people, losing the ego. Cam, thank you so much. You've had a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Travis, I'm really, really happy to be here and very thankful. I appreciate it, Travis. I'll talk to you soon. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.